2: You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young podcast.
0: Hello everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young podcast. Jason Roundsville here, joined as always by my co-host Dylan Ray. And we have with us one of our corporate partners. And for those of you who don't know about our corporate partner program, it is in the front of the magazine. And it is vital to some of our conservation projects, some of our mission elements. And so please take a look on the website on the front of the magazine. Check out our corporate partners because we can't do what we do without them. And so today we have from Subway Archery, we have Drew Kohofer And Drew, thank you for joining us today, man. Great to have you on. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you guys for the opportunity
3: to be on here. It's, a, it's an honor. I have uh, been a fan of Open and Young and all things well honey for a long time. So this is uh it's really this really cool. Uh,
0: thank you guys so much for the opportunity absolutely now drew give us um you know give folks a, a background a little about you and also about selway so that they can hear about what you guys do and and uh a lot about your company because i i don't know that everybody understands exactly what you guys are doing over there so why don't you give us a, a background for us yeah so so for me i i'm 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 a lifelong hunter
3: i uh I was fortunate enough to have a father who, who picked up bow hunting in the mid eighties, like a lot of other guys his age. And, um, you know, I just, uh, you know, he raised me following him around in the woods and that's just what we, what I've always done. I, I passed my hunter safety course in Ohio at the age of nine and, uh, I was bow hunting I was bow hunting at nine years old and so yeah man it's just been something that I've always done everything in life for me up until I had a family and even now still pretty much revolves around around bow hunting it's just it's just ingrained you know guys ask all the time well why do you hunt well that's an impossible question to answer because I don't which is what what I've always done right <laughs> what and else would so- you start with, did you start with did you start with traditional equipment Yes, i did i started hunting i had a Ben pearson bronco um that was right at right at the legal limit for me and you know growing up i had been shooting a lot and shooting a lot so i could i could pull you know the poundage to my draw length that i needed and dad had me set up i was shooting that bronco and i think it was his actually when he was growing up so it was kind of, kind of a cool legacy piece there we still have it and i'll pass it down to my boys um so i was shooting that with a cedar arrow and a. Nineteen sixty, 1960, uh,
4: a nineteen sixty four Bear
3: Razorhead. Is uh, what I, is what I started bow hunting with, and and I thought some of my equipment was old. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> like. And then, uh, fast, yeah, fast forward. So that was in ninety seven. Fast forward three years, and then uh, so. I it took me three years to kill my first uh big game animal and I shot a white tailed doe in October of two thousand with my longbow, um Easton chat, Easton Aluminum twenty sixteen and that same those same bear razor heads. And yeah, so ever since man, it's just the the, the hooks have been dug in and it's uh, I haven't always hunted with traditional equipment. So I started with traditional equipment and then um through my high school years I had lost a little bit of confidence. In myself, I had missed a few animals and I had a bad day in the tree. And my uncle was like, Here, um, you're going to take this. And he had an old Matthews, I think it was a SQ32 or Q230. I don't know. It was one of those. But uh, he backed the poundage way off for me and uh, went out the next weekend and, and shot a tear with it. And that kind of. So for a few years there, I, I picked up a compound and I, I went on a pretty good pretty good spree with that
4: and
3: and then uh in 2010 i picked the, the, the long longbow back up and it's been pretty much all, all traditional since then for so, me and then suddenly,
2: and so kind of comes out like, sorry go ahead no i was gonna ask you like because i've tried that whole method of like my confidence is down with the with the recurve let's pick up the compound and what i found is if my confidence is down it's down like no matter the weapon you know what i mean so, like, what was that process like for you, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, so for me, you know, with the compound, the advantages to the
3: compound are, you know, obviously, we, we know what the advantages are for the most part. But for me, what it was, was it was the mental aspect. um, The built-in stop, or the built-in kind of breaks within your shot, right? Where, okay, it's not just pick a spot, come to full draw, you know, let it rip type of a thing. That's how I grew up shooting the stick um you know get the finger back in the corner of your mouth you know and you know just drill with that spot you know, like you're throwing a baseball that was how i was taught well with the compound for me it was okay come to full draw you know nose to the string find your peep you know align your peep with your sight housing you know settle your pin you know it, it had those built-in stops for me as a kid i you know when, when you get buck fever having those well, even as an adult when you get buck fever having those those breaks within your shot slow your process down and allows you to make a, a, a you know a better shot where you're more present within the moment and that's what it did for me.
0: You know I, for me, I was just glad to hear that you'd at least tried compounds because some of the some of the Trad guys are man, it is trad or nothing. Yeah, you
4: know, and
3: I think that we are man, I don't we don't really have to go down this rabbit hole if we don't want, but you guys can stop me whenever you want. But I think we are getting to a point now where there's been a lot of guys hollering about this for a lot of years. And Dylan, I think I've talked with you about it a little bit. We're getting to the point where bow hunting is so accessible now that there's so much competition for tags, specifically in the West. Where you're seeing a lot of that, man, you know, it's not saying that it's not accessible to go pick up a stick bow. It's just going to take more effort, right? Well, we live in a society now where, and I got to be careful here because... I don't want to, I don't want to upset anybody, but it's just the fact of the matter is you can go pick up a compound bow and get relatively proficient with it in a shorter amount of time than you can with the stick bow. And, and that's why I think that you see a lot of the, maybe a little bit of the animosity from the guys who do shoot recurves and longbows because they put in more work. Well, I put in more, it's the same, the same concept of the, you know, the student loan crisis, right? Like, well, I paid my loans off. Why do I have to pay these guys? Well, it's like. I worked harder, so I should get more benefit, right? Like, there's kind of that that mindset. Yeah. Well, and well, uh, and now we're seeing a little bit of these things kind of maybe come to fruition a little bit, where you know, Idaho or not Idaho, but Arizona, they're losing their over-the-counter deer opportunities in bow hunting, and we're losing bow hunting opportunities. So, I think what needs to happen to kind of pacify everybody to an extent is we need to figure out. Maybe some, maybe redefine, you know, compound and traditional, maybe redefine, you know, primitive archery seasons versus, you know, your regular archery season to try and increase some opportunity. Because I think that's where you're seeing a lot of this, this gripe about me personally, man, I would love to see more opportunity. It bothers me a little bit that, that guys don't want to give up some of their modern conveniences for the sake of opportunity you know I, I hear guys in arizona gripe about you know oh, the quality hunting's going down or, or wherever you know or somewhere in the west or it's harder to get a tag well they don't want to give up their rifle seasons during the rut or they don't want to give up you know just certain certain things they don't want to give up their six-week-long season in montana um yeah. to try and increase opportunity this is Man, it's a tough spot to be in. It's, it's because, you know, we don't want to fight with each other because we got crossbows, right? Like, wow. that, in Kansas, this is the first year I haven't drawn a Kansas deer tag since 2007. And that's, there's a lot of factors that play into that. YouTube, crossbows, there's a lot of, you know, different thing, you know, the popularization of bow hunting, which isn't a bad thing. I like, I want guys to be able to, to go out and enjoy the same stuff that I'm doing because, man, I'm so, we, you know, we're all so passionate about this that um you know you want to share it with other people but man it's kind of that sword that cuts both ways
0: yeah it, it is and it's i know um like oregon has a few seasons like the trout creeks and uh heart mountain has a season that's just traditional yep. year only and um and you know i, I fault oregon department of fish and wildlife for a lot of things but there are a few things that that I appreciate the way they do it. One of them, you know, like they're – the way they split their archery seasons is good because they have a few of the traditional, and it's strictly traditional gear. And then even their muzzleloader, there's no, you know, no optics or anything like that, open ignition. So they they stayed pretty close to what I think the route was supposed to be when when those seasons were started. So I fault them a lot, but I got to throw them a shout out
3: on this one. You're definitely right, and the Oregon bow hunters um, have done a really good job of lobbying for that type of stuff for just to create opportunity. Because a lot of those guys, um, I'm friends with, and they saw the writing on the wall a long time ago, and they tried to get ahead of it. And um, I, like I said, I applaud them. They've done a really good job of. And That's why it's important to join your state bow hunting organizations because. You know, a lot of them are active and in, in trying to preserve some of this stuff. I know there's some guys down in Arizona that are working on doing the same. Um, Nevada had similar proposals um, to try and get some, you know, some units opened up for, you know, more primitive archery types type stuff. And yeah, I think that's the future. I think that's the way to go. Um, you know, especially in, in, with muzzleloaders. I mean, man, <laughs> muzzleloaders now, are they're interesting. Even the iron sight ones. <laughs> I don't want to, you know, I don't want to open up that can of worms, but I would just like to see, instead of trying to take away stuff, man, I would love to see us get more proactive about trying to create more opportunities it, you know, where, 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 where we can, you know?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and out here, I know we get grief, you know, as do you with the, the crossbow issue, because there's states where they allowed them into archery seasons and now it's hurting their archery season. And, you know, here, We've got them. They belong. You know, you can you can shoot a crossbow exactly where it belongs with the rifles. So, yeah, 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 there's some states that got ahead of that game early,
3: uh, and they just put it in the regs, like, hey, you can use one during firearm season. And uh,
4: yeah, yeah.
3: but you know, it's a lot of. Unfortunately, a lot of that is is dictated by money, uh, especially here in the East. You know, uh, and uh, you know, I live in Michigan. And I hunt a lot in Ohio. Um, you know, some of the highest concentration of bull hunters in the country are right here. And uh, man, our hunters in general as well. And it's just uh, man, if pub. You know, you go out in October; it's it's no longer uh, what October once was. That's for sure. But uh, yeah.
4: there, there's more
3: guys. There'd be more guys this parking lot that I by my house here. This public ground that I that I that I'll sometimes go into. But I, I travel by it all the time. And there'll be there will be more cars there opening day of archery season than there will be opening day of firearm season. Wow. Yep. Yep. But yeah, it's just uh, it's just a weird deal. But anyway, um, you, you know, I, back on I track here with Selway, I uh, so growing up, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar or not, but like, there's a lot of uh, rendezvous they call them. And, and bow shoots—it's a big gathering of a bunch of traditional archers would all come together and camp out for a weekend, shoot 3D targets, um, have vendor tents set up. Well, I grew up going to those with, with my dad here, especially here in Michigan. There were several big ones. You had the Great Lake Longbow Invitational, you know, which was huge, and then you have the Eastern Traditional Archery Rendezvous um, over in Pennsylvania. That's a big one, still is. Huge. I mean, it's a there was i don't know how many thousands of people there were there this year but it was a it was a big one but so i grew up going to those and selway originally started by gordy mickens and dwayne jessup over in the Bitterroot valley montana uh, they started it in the late 80s early 90s and so gordy would come to all these shows you know And this you know pre you know pre-internet and so, you know, you had, you know, your ads and, you know, whether it be Bowhunter Magazine or, you know, traditional Bowhunter Magazine. So, but, you know, you had to get your product out there. So you went to the shows. Well, him and my, my dad, Gordy and my dad, Andy struck up a friendship just going to these shows. And, you know, I, re- there's pictures of me when I was, you know, five years old, standing there with dad and Gordy, you know, at one of these events. And that's just their friendship started then they started all cotton together you know Gordy invited dad out to go all cotton and that's it that that this friendship started budding and then you know eventually Gordy was ready you know what was it seven eight years ago now um he had c- gone to dad and you know asking if we were interested in Burks and yeah you know we we always you know, sat down as family had a conversation and yeah we went ahead and we took it over and um yeah it's been it's been that doing it ever since and uh I was fortunate enough we, we got it built back up and I was able to walk away from my full time job as an iron worker um to to run cellway now. So
4: nice I've been doing that.
3: and I've been doing that for three years and yeah it's 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 awesome. You know, a lot of it yeah, I had to take you know a smidge of a pay cut, but man, the opportunity to be self employed, I get to take my kids to work. I get to take my kids to work with me. Um, you know, kind of make my own
0: schedule, it's a, it's a real blessing. That's great, and I know uh, I know Dylan has one of your quivers on his bow, and I know you guys make them for us. Yep,
2: uh, Pope and Young. Um, I've got like six quivers on six of my bows from them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I stand corrected. Dylan has. Hey, six th- they really are like.
2: Listen, I listen. I have no need to toot Drew's horn for him, but in all reality, like. If you shoot traditional equipment, there's not a better quiver to put on your bows. I, I don't; they're hands down the best quiver you could ever get for your for your recurve longbow.
0: And you're not the first person that I've heard say that.
2: Well, I but appreciate
0: that, guys. Yeah. So no, we're um, you know we're definitely excited to have you guys on. Um, you know, as corporate partners, because you know we're at the point where we get to. To kind of pick and choose a little bit, and um, you know, it's it's very important to our mission and what we're trying to do with, you know, preserve, pr- promote, and protect bow hunting. But it's also we have to make sure that it's the right partnerships. And so this is one that just was such a, a natural fit. We're so we're we're excited to have you guys on there. Yeah, I know, and it's excited, excited to be a part about it. You
3: know, it's, you know a lot of guys get lost, and you I think you know for the sake of getting redundant here um open young was you know was founded i don't have to tell you guys but you know it was to prove bow hunting's advocacy. um a lot of guys lose that sight sometimes and it's to me it's it's the foundation of what we have today you know along with some of our other you know the well-known you know ambassadors over the years you know fred Ben Pearson and Jim Doherty and just, you know, Chuck Adams, you know, the guy, the list goes on, you know, the great Dr. Jack Frost and, you know, all, the, all these other guys who helped really pioneer what we have today. Yeah. Uh, but P- Pope and Young was kind of at the, at the you know, Glen St. Charles, the, you know, yeah. that, it was at the, that's the foundation of what we have today. So, yeah, it just made sense for us to,
0: to jump on board with you guys. Yeah. As as you're going through that list, I'm literally checking them out. I'm like, yep, board member, board member, president, board member. Literally, those are all some of the folks that, you know, started and and built Pope and Young. And, you know, you mentioned, I think people lose sight of why Pope and Young is here. And it was the, the single purpose was to... You know, it helped put bow seasons across this country. And, you know, it was so effective that people just forgot that it happened. Um, I was one of them. I've been a bow hunter for 30 years, and I really didn't know the story until I got to Bowman Young. And I'm like, wow, I had no idea that people fought that hard just to get me what I've taken for granted, you know, basically my whole life. You know, yeah. so. It's. I talked to so uh, along, kind of along that
3: lines. I had a customer calling the other day. You saw from Wisconsin, and his was it, it was either he's an older gentleman. I think it was his. I think it was his father or his grandfather. I, I'm not exactly sure, but was one of the. Um, there was a proving grounds area. I think they called it in Wisconsin, and he uh, he was telling me the story that they guys actually got to take part in some of the first bow hunts, you know, in the country, you know, first, you know, sanctioned bow hunts in the country. I think it was, I think it was his grandfather, but yeah, just, just so much cool history. When you talk, you get to talk to some guys like that, you know, Mike Barrett, if there's people who don't know who Mike Barrett, there's a lot of people who don't know who Michael Mike Barrett is. Mike Barrett is a bow hunter out of Wyoming and this guy has been nothing but hunting with a trad bow his whole life. It, these are the kind of guys that I get excited about because nobody knows who these guys are, but Mike has six bucks, mule deer box over 200 inches. That was the last I talked to him. He may have more now.
4: <laughs> um, he was approached
3: 20 bulls in Pope and young. I, the, but nobody knows who this guy is, but that's the kind of the, the people that you get to talk to, you know, when you get really deep into this stuff and you just, you know, there's so many guys in the ranks of Pope and Young members and bow hunters now that are you know that they're not getting fame and notoriety, but man, the the, the track record that these guys have is is just absolutely fascinating and, and yeah. incredible.
0: Yeah, it was. You know, it's interesting to me the, the pride that comes when these with some of these traditional guys, and you know, I don't know if I've got the skill level. I don't know if I'm sneaky enough or have the skill level, you know, to, to jump into training. Dylan talks about it all the time, pretty much every episode of this podcast. And so for me, there's a uh, there's definitely a curiosity to where, you know what, I'm going to have to check this out. But I, I just, it's, it's hard because it's, it, man, it's difficult enough because I'm out there, you know, I spend my weekends out in the woods and I'm looking at this and, man, if I'm having a hard time getting within – you know, 50, 60 yards of a good shot on an elk. Man, how am I going to get within 20? So, it, and it's, <laughs> we see these guys and, and, and they're all about it and the level of pride they have. And even, uh, the who's who the guy we just did the Boone and Crockett Award for? Shot a monster blacktail. And, um, and then you start talking to him and it's just one of a, a number of trophies that he's got. Yeah. You're talking about Travis Rogers. Yes, yes, that's right yep. he's speaking For a second, And he's super nice guy Nicest guy, most appreciative guy And he's doing that all with, with trad gear And it's like You know, okay, clearly he's In a league that I'm not in But, gosh You, I, you really have to respect the, the guys that are doing it that way
2: you know, But you I'll know, talk- I, I heard a guy One time say, well, it was Fred Eichler um, He was talking about how you know, once you've done it for so long, he's like, if I want the challenge, then I pick up a compound because it's like, for me, this is more effective because I've done it for so long. It's like when I pick up the compound, then it's like, oh, crap, man, this is going to be hard this week. You know, Eichler's
4: yeah, um,
3: made that mention before as well. He feels more lethal with his recurve in his hands because there's, yeah. just, there's less to do. There's less going on. You know,
2: yeah, you know, I didn't mean to cut you off there, Dylan. sorry. No, you're good. Well, that's just what, that's exactly what he was saying. He said, dude, yeah. me and you stand at a target at 20 yards and I say, go, you've got your compound. I've got Marie Curve. He's like, I'll put two arrows in there before you put your first one in there. That's right. like, sure, Mine might be in the 10 ring and yours might be in the 12, but I killed it two times before you killed it once. Interesting. Yeah. They, you know, and it, the beauty of
3: traditional equipment it, when you decide to decide to take that leap is you know, there, there's a really good video. I think stick, I put it out, but it's, um, it was produced by some friends of mine, the white brothers, uh, rock house motion. And, um, it kind of just, it's like a quick little view. It's called the challenge and it's got Nick white on there. And Nick says this, Nick says this comment. It's like, it's the perfect relation, give and take relationship. You get in what you, you know, you, you get out of it, what you put into it. And the, that's what I like so much about hunting with the recurve or longbow is because it's on me, you know, it's, I don't have any equipment to really rely or to, to lean on to, to help get me through it. If I'm not on my game, then I'm not making that shot. And I like that pressure. I like that, you know, you know, the, the countless hours of putting in the work, you know, it's super rewarding when you are able to, uh, you know, to, to make that good, clean kill on an animal, like, man, there's
0: just no better feeling. See, and I get that with, for me, I know some guys that like, they have a hard one. They're like, okay, my, my max effective range is 25 yards. And I look at that and I'm like, you know, I'm shooting a compound bow and I, and I backed it off a little. I was, I was shooting 80 pounds last year and I think that was a little much. So I backed it off just a little bit, but I mean, for me it's kind of nice to know you know the other day I had a a ranch bull at 33 yards last weekend and it was nice to know that if I wanted him at 33 yards it was over it wasn't like oh no I need to get eight yards closer (laughs) so there's you know I I think that's the beauty of it knowing that
3: you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna lose sometimes and I've heard it said before, you know, a lot of my turkey hunting buddies in response to some of this, uh, turkey reaping that has gotten really popular lately, you know, it's okay if the animal wins and, um, it's okay. You know, they, they said it's okay if the bird wins and, you know, and I, you know, take the bag, it's okay. It's okay to lose, you know, it's okay. If that buck fools us or, you know, that doe slips away, like that's okay. Um, and I said, (laughs) Man, at the risk of sounding like an elitist, because we get painted as trad guys a lot of times, I think, I think a lot of guys kind of misinterpret where we're coming from. And they think that we're just, uh, these pompous elitist guys who think we're better than everybody. And that's, I don't think that's the case. Um, I think it's just, a am not saying that people don't have more, you know, one guy has more respect for an animal than another guy, but it's just a different, it's just a different mindset.
0: Yeah. This is the best way to describe it you're like it's it's okay if the animal wins sometime I'm like I'm out there and the animal wins plenty with me so, <laughs> and, I, right, right. And, and drew I don't like to lose. So it's, <laughs> it's okay
4: for the right team.
0: no yeah exactly
3: you know and it's like you know I just I see a lot of you know it's you know you were talking about you know getting into it or whatever you know these I will tell you what in the past Five years when, since traditional archery had a really big resurgence, I would say in 2015, 2016, when um, you had the push archery come into come on the scene with a lot of their technical um, education, you had Aaron Snyder, you know, from Kafaru pick up pick up the recurve, and you had this this resurgence. You know this big flocking to the community, and I will tell you what: there's guys out there that picked up a, a, a transition from a compound and picked up a stick bow just out of curiosity. And these dudes didn't miss a beat. Yeah, yeah they were chilling stuff with their recur or their compounds, and they picked up the, the 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 stick bow, and they they didn't miss a step. They just kept right on right on filling the freezer and putting big animals on the ground, and that's that's. Not like that's that's not just a couple of guys, there's a, there's a whole bunch of guys who are just absolutely lethal with it in their hands, and they've they found a love for it. And I think it's great, man. I really,
0: uh, the more guys we get shooting stick, the most better it is for ball hunting, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's, there's definitely some guys out there that are doing it that are just unbelievable. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to pick up my compound and go compete with some of these drag guys, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know maybe at 70, 80 yards, you know, on a target, but certainly I, I wouldn't want to, you know, say, Hey, you know, Jim Williams, why don't you grab your trad though Let, Let's go. <laughs> right. yeah, he's going to kill a bigger buck. Yeah, Jim, Jim is it, is, uh, Jim's awesome. Yeah. Jim, Jim is uh, Jim's definitely one of those guys that I look up to. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I, you wouldn't want to compete with, I don't know if I'd want to compete with Jim if I had a rifle. I mean, <laughs> right. that's That's the kind of caliber he's, he's at, but, uh, and, and, you know, a lot, and once again, you know, past, present, and great guy, um, still on the board, you know, kind of, I see folks and, and, uh, and his name always fits in, you know, with, with the list that you were mentioning earlier, you know, I, I look at Jim as a guy who's, who's still carrying the torch for us. Yep, That's, you know, there's, there's something to be said for, and I, I would encourage anybody
3: listening, man, go, go know your history, go, go remember these guys, go learn about some of these guys who helped put bow hunting on the map and make it what it is today. Just because there's, there's so much to be learned from our history and these guys, we, we, they, we owe them the tip of our hat, you know, for what they've done for us. And I, like. I know there's a lot of the new guys getting into this that, that may not know that, but go. There's a couple of resources out there that I um, friends of mine have helped put together. Um, if you go, like I'm going to plug the Push Podcast, um, they sat down with a friend of mine, Tyler Carlson, and Tyler lives in Western Montana, and he knows oh all these guys. You know he he got to meet all these guys or hear about the history of you know you know Bart Schlyer, Paul Schaefer, Barry and Gene Wenzel. Um, (laughs) the the list goes on, and they do a really good you know discussion on kind of how you know bow hunting in Western Montana. And there's a lot of those guys who helped kind of really put bow hunting on the map. And but man, go go learn about the history of this stuff. It's important to kind of have an all encompassing where we've come from, where we're at, where we're headed. To you know to kind of help predict the future and what we can to
0: to preserve this beautiful thing that we call bow hunting yeah and and you know the one thing is as you mentioned that I'm, i'm sitting here thinking i'm like you know a lot's been done to get us where we're at but it has it doesn't stop there and i don't think i don't think a lot of people realize you know how many things come across our desk every week that you know, people are looking for input on legislation wise and different things. And the fight continues. I mean, we're looking out for bow hunters every single day. Um, and it's nice because when something comes across our desk, we, we don't have to look at it and say, Oh, well, gee, how would this legislation affect the salmon? It doesn't matter. We, we look at it with a singleness of purpose. How does it affect bow hunting? And it's, it's kind of refreshing to have it that way. And, uh, so we continue you know to fight the fight we work with with other organizations we work with the state organizations and anytime something comes up um you know we're there on the national level to represent bow hunters whether it's a compound or you know longbow either one we're we're out there fighting for it so Yep, no,
3: it's it's super important. We got to stay, keep our nose, keep our nose, or our ear to the ground, because you know we never know when something's going to come along and just handicap
0: us. Yeah, and it's you know there's it, the simple fact is there's people out there who believe we shouldn't be doing what we're doing, and they're willing to spend their resources to see that we aren't doing it,
2: and so it's um. And sometimes they got a lot more resources than we got.
3: Yeah, yeah. More often than not, they do. It's, 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 uh, it's uh, sometimes it's amazing how the squeechiest wheel man can can generate the most most noise, and they they do a really good job at it. They 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 are such a small faction of our population, but man, they sure do make a ruckus.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, gee, imagine how much more money we'd have if we didn't hunt. Gee, right. wouldn't he, wouldn't he need all this equipment. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't
3: need uh wouldn't need a thousand bucks new hunting clothes every other year.
0: Yeah, you know, Dylan wouldn't need six bows with six quivers. Right. You know, give all that money into, you know, shutting us down or, you know, I don't know, they're knitting class or I don't know what else they do. I, hey, I, I heard somebody
2: I heard a bow company the other day say, "This is the this is the last bow you'll ever have to buy, until next year." Yeah, no kidding.
4: Oh, dude, that's so funny. I
3: that that makes me giggle. I yeah, that is so funny. I
4: my old compound, I still have it. It's a 2005 Hoyt Ultratech. I uh, and I was out shooting it the other day. It's still worth it still works good man i couldn't imagine i couldn't
2: imagine upgrading right now that thing just works yeah you know what's crazy is like we're all we all swarm to the newest baddest bows every year we have to have them we've got to get them dude my dad has killed so many deer with his old 87 Hoyt game getter and he shoots it because that's what chuck adams put in a magazine one time you know and and i'm like (laughs) like kills more animals than than and i'm like dude there it is man Sounds like yeah, a oh gun yeah. going off. Sounds like a gun going off. It's got plus plus forty percent let off. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an Indian, not the bow.
0: Yeah, you you draw sixty pounds, you hold fifty
2: two. It's, it's yeah, like, <laughs> no, you draw sixty, you hold back sixty four somehow. Yeah,
0: <laughs> right. It's I I don't know. It's um. yeah, somebody asked me. They said, "Well, man, if if uh." You know what do you think people do that don't hunt? I said, who cares? <laughs> so, just, I had a guy ask me to score the football game the other day. I go,
4: what game? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you
3: know. And as I, I used to watch sports all the time, but as I have a family now and like, I have to channel my energy into certain places. Like, I had to cut, I had to cut, cut
0: football out of the program. Yeah. I think I think a few years ago, a lot of people
2: got football out of the program. <laughs> However, whether whether he watches football or not, dude, my favorite quiver on planet Earth is my custom Arkansas Razorback quiver.
0: That's yeah, the that's right. Right now. Oh, man. You, you know what? You do a good job working in Arkansas and everywhere you can, Dylan. I appreciate that.
2: Hey, somebody's got to. <laughs> I mean, that's right. you know, that's all. somebody's got to, dude. Big yeah. suey, right? Isn't that how it goes? Listen, I, I I saw a post on Facebook that day. I grew up in Northwest Arkansas, um, in a town, Van Buren, Arkansas is the name of the town, and I saw this like the white trashiest post you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, chicken like a Bud Light bikini with like she was pregnant and her boyfriend with the mullet and white trash beers like holding her with beers in his hand. Like, and it said what in the Mulberry, Arkansas? And I'm like, no, like I grew up like three minutes from Mulberry. And now we're making yeah. national news on gifts like this, man.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. You know what? We're gonna know for for sure if Dylan is a true Razorback if if on our next podcast he's got one of the 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 hats, the Arkansas pig hats on.
2: That's oh, I've how I got
4: we'll...
0: one. Oh, okay. I got one. So we're gonna we're gonna wear that on the ne- next podcast we do, man. You got to break yeah. that out. I can do it. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Drew, what is that what is up for you? I know uh we're talking just just off camera a bit. You've got uh had some good news from Utah this year.
3: Yeah, I uh I was fortunate enough I pulled a limited entry uh deer tag for on uh, November. So I um I'll have the tag I drew I could hunt with a handgun. And this is so a caveat, we talked. We you know earlier we talked about generating opportunities. Well, Utah made a hunt. And it's, um, you can hunt with a handgun, archery, muzzleloader, or shotgun. Um, if you hunt the firearm, it cannot have a scope. But I'm okay. okay, I'm bear I'm hunting, but it's a limited opportunity. Um, maybe some guys want to put in for it. Maybe they don't because you know the, you know you have to limit yourself with the weapon. Um, but creating more opportunities. So. When that popped up, it was a no-brainer for me. I looked at the dates. I'm like, yep, I got familiarity with the unit that I put in for. Um, got some guys that it. I got some knowledge. So, I'm you know, I'm jumping in. So, I, pu- I put in for it the past three years, and I, I pulled it this year. Only non resident permit. Don't ask me how. I should have played the lottery as well. But, yeah, dumb luck. And, uh, yeah, so I'll be heading down there for two weeks in November, chasing uh, chasing bucks down in the desert.
4: You know,
0: that's I'd, I'd have to look at that because as you're going through that list, I'm like, okay, you know, I've got to, I'm going through and I'm like, okay, what would I use on that? Because I love my Benelli shotguns and they're very effective, but I, man, for deer, I'm not, I'm not just not sure. I've and then I looked at a pile it. of deer with an
3: 1187 slug gun growing up yeah. and like uh, yeah. that came into the back of my mind. And then I'm like, well, what about a handgun? I could get a Thompson Center Encore pistol with like seven mm M08 barrel. I could do that. I have one, got it. Um, yeah. But then I sat down and I'm like, Mike Mitten said one time. I heard him say, I don't know if you guys are familiar with who Mike Mitten is, but he goes, if you decide you're going to be a bow hunter, you got to put the gun down, and that's what you're going to do. And so, I'm bow hunting.
0: That's well, and I'm looking at it. And I'm like, you know, between the shotgun, and then I've got. You know, I've got a uh, Thompson Center. I don't know if I got a 7 mm M08 barrel, but I've got some different barrels. And then I've got a, you know, super red hawk. It's got a scope on it. So I'd have to come. But I'm like, man, at, you know, if I was stretching out to 60 or 70 yards, I think my bow in that case would be my very best weapon and that is exactly why i pretty much settled on my bow um i'll have my compound as backup um for whatever reason i completely fall
3: apart whatever but yeah that, that that reasoning is why i just said you know what i'm not gaining a whole lot of advantage by going to another weapon and i'm not spending five grand on a on one of these new muzzle loaders with uh the, the adjustable turret rear sight that you can Run a dope chart out and be get proficient to 500 yards. Like I'm not
0: yeah. I'm not playing that. I'm not playing that game. Um, see, I don't have the eyes for that. My eyes don't yeah. allow for that. I've got, I've got buddies yeah. that far. I man, I can't see. That's why I quit my loader years ago. I just I can't see good enough to do it. Yeah, for me it was a no brainer. It was like yeah, I, I went
3: through my options. I know what I have. Like I'm really proficient with some of these other weapons. And I'm like. Yeah. I'm just going to go ball hunting. <laughs> um, yeah. just, just gonna be, I'm, I'm going to take that, uh, Montana or not the Montana, but that, uh, that ultimate Pre, ultimate predator mule deer decoy. And I'll have that if I need it. And yeah, we're, we're backpacking into the desert and yeah, it's, it's going to be awesome. Just my dad and I are going to go maybe, maybe I'll see if I can't put a camera in his hands. So he, he maybe film some of it, but yeah, it's, uh, just going through my gear list right now, getting everything put together. Um, you know just makes it, you know getting rid of stuff i don't need so i'm not taking extra weight and yeah it's going to be a three really true wilderness hunt and that's i'm i'm oh man i can't i
0: i'm excited i i'm absolutely excited well well congratulations on getting that tag make, make sure when you send us your field photo you, you got you got your uh, pope and young hat on in it we like photo. Oh, so. okay yeah yeah <laughs> i can do that yeah, yeah. um well, Drew, what, what, uh, you know, tell us what else, what other message? I know you're, you're active. We didn't really get into it a whole bunch, but I know you're active with, with bow hunting rights, and we touched a little bit on that, but you know, yeah. it, your advice for folks, would it be join the, the state organizations, join, join the folks that are, that are working for you? Yeah. So yeah, join, join Copenhagen.
3: Join your your Howl for Wildlife or Howl dot org. Um, they're they're doing great things. They're they're getting ahead of a lot of this negative anti you know anti hunting legislation. You know, and they're yeah. they're doing a really good job as well. So join Pope and Young, join your local your state bow hunting organizations because you know a lot of that stuff at the local level doesn't get to the doesn't get very, you know, past the state, so it may not get to some of this, you know, on the radar. And then you can advocate your state to create opportunities as well. So, yeah, join your bowhunting local, you know, your state ball hunting organization. Join Pope and Young. Join, you know, groups like Howl for Wildlife that are out there actively getting ahead of the curve, um, and 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 fighting. You know, staying instead of playing defense all the time. They're, you know, we're they're, they're going on the offense, and yeah. which is which is something that we need to do. Uh, Just, I mean, as more you know, traditional stuff, um, traditional Americans, for lack of a better term, uh, we need to we need to do anyway. We need to get on the offense and stop
0: uh, stop constantly playing defense.
4: Yeah, that's that's,
0: and their links on our website. They're a partner of ours as well, and we saw what they were doing. And even before you know they they officially started their new their new program, and it was like, gosh, this is. It's literally turning the antis, you know, er everything the antis do so well. And we just sit back and we think, hey, if we do everything, you know, if we just do the right thing, it's going to work out. But it doesn't work out.
4: No, it doesn't. You can't
0: just do the right thing and hope that people recognize you're doing the right thing. You have to advocate for what you are doing. And, you know, yeah, exactly. You know, and you can't, how can you expect to win
3: against a group of people who don't play by the rules? Who yeah. uses loopholes in the system um, to make sure that everything that they're doing is paid for. How can you expect to get any victories by by being nice and, and, and not getting your hands dirty?
4: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, um, you just, you know, I, I think a lot of it is you, you just think, oh, man, if we do the right thing, it'll all work out. And it doesn't. It doesn't work right. out.
3: No, no, no. It's often not. not often it does not. Sometimes, um, you know. That said, you know, i you know, to, to, to yeah. I'm sorry. I got, uh, I got, a four year old asking for a popsicle. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, um, to, to, to add on to that, you know, just don't lose. You know, for the new guys coming in, I, I'll say this again. I think it's a very, very, it's adamant that you know how we got to this point. It's, 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 it's absolutely crucial in my opinion. It's, it's, I wish that in bow hunter education, they taught bow hunting history. There was a course on, on hunting history because this hasn't always been a thing like you touched on before. And I I would just implore everybody, go learn your history. I mean, it's so, one of my favorite things right now in the world, vintage camo patterns are come like... Old school tree bark, old school bottomland moss yolk old real tree. Like I, I just had a recurve built by Michael Arnett at Tall Tines Archery with old Advantage, real tree Advantage, classic camo limbs. Um, just you know, but that stuff's really—it's the history. You know, it's kind of coming back in in vogue, right? And it's, but it's super important just to know. Like I said, I'll beat this dead horse. It's you got us to know where we came from. Yeah. where we're at now to help, we're you know trying to put us on a good trajectory into the future to make sure you know, and that's the other thing that I'm doing, you know, get your kids out, man. That's I have a daughter and three sons. Um, they, we are active in the outdoors. We're active shooting our bows. We, you know, take them hunting as much as I, as much as I can, you know, out, even outside of youth seasons. It's it's to get them out there, like just like what my dad did with me. I did, we didn't, like, we didn't, there was no special youth hunting for me growing up. It was, we was went hunting and that's, it's, don't, and when you do that, don't always make it easy on them. You know, it's, hunting is a tough thing. Don't paint this false reality for these kids. And this is something I'm a big advocate about. If we make it too easy on them, when they do come face some adversity in hunting, there's a pretty good likelihood they may, they may scrap it you know, especially kids nowadays, they got all of these distractions in life and all these other things going, coming at their heads. Um, it's important to try and get, get our hooks into them, you know, in the outdoors and teach them, teach them to love it because, and Will Primo said it best, you know, if you teach somebody to love something, they're going to take care of it.
4: Yeah. And that's the, the future. The kids are the future, man. They're, they're,
3: they're, it's, they're everything because if we don't have them, you know, we don't have, what
0: are we doing this for if not for them? Right. Absolutely. Well, well, we're, we're going to keep fighting the fight. We know you're there with us and, uh, and we appreciate all that support. You know, Drew, the, the one question we ask everybody on this program and we've gotten some great, great answers throughout the course of this, the show, when you find yourself you know, headed to Utah on a mule deer hunt for the rut, or when you find yourself up in a tree stand for for whitetails at home, what is one non-traditional item that you find you can't live without in your pack? Oh, so my answer
3: would have been Copenhagen. <laughs> um, <laughs>
4: but I don't do that. Anymore. I quit. So... Uh, uh, this is my first fall getting into the woods about that. So I, uh, man, this is gonna be
3: man the one piece that I yeah yeah it would have been Copenhagen would have been my answer. Just being honest,
4: yeah. Uh, but cool. I I have I have a hat that whether I have it on my head or not, it is in my pack. I've
3: carried it with me. It's this old like
4: full blown Gilligan Island style like old duck camo hat. Now whether I have like I said whether I'm wearing it or whether it's in the pack, I have to have it with me. There it's, you go. It's super like it. I'm telling like you,
0: man. It. People underestimate the power of the lucky hat. Yes. They underestimate it. And it's I was at a at a place a few weeks ago and, and you know sometimes you just need to change it up. You know the, the mojo's not right or you know the animals just aren't doing the right thing. And I said, "All right, man. Today, everybody, everybody does a fresh hat. Whatever hat you've been wearing, leave it in the, you know, leave it in the tent. Everybody does a fresh hat, and I'll be darned if, if things didn't start changing up." Oh, so. Man, so that's funny that you say that. So my dad,
3: he's up at Outcamp camp right now, and um, so our outcamp camp is a friend of our, our friend's cabin up there. And I have lost a hat up there two years ago,
4: the year that I called in my dad's.
3: I called in a bull for him in 2020, and uh, it was just a, it was a super special moment, and I had that hat on. Well, I lost it, and I was panic-struck, freaking out, like, man, it's gone. I was just sick. Well, he found it yesterday. There was a rain
4: that poured down rain. He stayed at the cabin, helped clean cleaned up the cabin and everything. Well, he found it underneath the bed, one of the beds. And, nice. Um, and I said, you have to wear that hat hunting tomorrow. Yeah, so I said, sure. and, he, and he just texted me, and he goes,
3: "I got a bull working." So while well, while we went on the phone, recording, my dad texted me.
4: He said, "You got a bull working." And it's the hat. There's something you have to. you know, the hat is everything. It's the real rally cap, you know.
0: So I had a guy. Um, is was, I wasn't hunting with him, but we were in the same area, and and we were just visiting, and and he wasn't having great luck. And I said, "You know what? Sometimes you got to trade it up." I said, "You know what? I'm gonna do you a solid." I'm going to get you my lucky hat. And I handed him, I had a open Young hat, one of the Kuyu patterns. And uh, and he looks at it. And he's like, really? I was like, yeah, try this out. It's a lucky hat. Can't go wrong. Next thing you know, he goes out that day, shoots an elk, first elk with the bow. And uh, he's like, you don't think you're getting this back now, do you? I was like, you know, enjoy it. We're it in good health. But, uh, you know, you can't tell him that that was not a lucky hat. Probably had nothing to do with him getting an elk, but it's still, sometimes you just got to change it up, change the energy just a little bit. And I, I think a lucky hat can do that for you. Yep. I uh. So when we jump off the phone here,
3: I'm going to jump on, give my old man a call and see, because he texted me that and then he
0: called me. So maybe we got some good news. All right. Well, <laughs> hey man, uh, Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate Selway being a corporate partner and, uh, helping, helping us fight to preserve, promote and protect bow hunting. Um, and, uh, thank, thanks for all you do, you know, being an ambassador for the sport all, of, all across the, the country. So we sure appreciate you.
3: No, I appreciate you guys having me on. It's a, You know, it's an absolute honor to be affiliated with you guys. And, um, you know, I just,
0: yeah, super, super thankful. Excellent. Are we going to see you in Reno?
3: uh i hope to this year i uh gonna i'm trying to uh get all the stars aligned i'd like to at least if we don't have a booth i'd like to at least just come and and rub elbows because um i got some good friends that live out that way anyway so they'll be there and um i've heard nothing but good things about some of the bull hunting relationships that can get started at at uh at the convention that's a fact
0: well we hope to see you there and uh Anyway, appreciate all your support, Drew. Have a great one. Yeah, good no, luck to you guys.
4: You uh, yes, I, I'll let him know. Thank you guys. Yeah, bye.